Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. Andrew? Yeah. We're in a slightly different location right now. Why don't you describe it to this, everyone? This is actually one of the cool. This is the coolest uh, uh, sidekick conversation location we have ever done. Uh, we are here at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel uh, on, on my balcony uh, of my room. And it is overlooking a little river and a little island area underneath this big glass dome. They call it the Delta. The Delta area. Yeah, there's this this hotel's massive, and uh, it's just very cool. Uh, it's all lit up nicely at night. Looks like a little nighttime village. Uh, we can see like Cinnabon, a couple other things down there. I still haven't had a Cinnabon. I got to do that tomorrow. Yeah, we're getting you a Cinnabon. You you deserve it. You've earned it by now. Well, we all deserve Cinnabons. Yeah. And by God's grace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, cranking so, out a dozen interviews in three days. I think you've earned a Cinnabon. We've got a great interview for you today. This is going to be with Denise Pass and her husband, Clay. Yeah. And Denise was, is a homeschool mom who, in her own words, checked all the right boxes, got married, and it turns out that her husband ended up being a sexual predator. Right. Uh, did some crazy stuff to their daughters, and she wrote a book called Shame Off You. The whole idea being that she experienced a lot of shame when they figured that out. And um, one thing I should say about this, there's nothing that's terribly explicit in this interview, but there's certainly some sensitive topics, and depending on where you're at with your kids, you may want to preview this before you have them listen to it. Um, I mean, we have a certain standard that we just right. wouldn't cross, but there there are some sensitive topics that come up related to all that. Yeah, and, uh, the, a kid of, of of a younger age would have some serious questions uh, if they heard this. So it's yeah. it's it's wise for parents if you're if you're listening, uh, give this a listen on your own first. And so uh, Denise ended up being divorced from her first husband, who was convicted of this stuff or whatever it is. And then uh, she married Clay, pass, and Clay came with her to NRB. And as I heard their story just for a couple minutes before we interviewed him, I thought, let's throw him on there. And he didn't have a ton to say, but it was great to have Clay on there as well. Um, So this is going to be a a great interview that just kind of organically popped up. This, this wasn't yeah, scheduled ahead of time. This literally, I, I came down this morning and uh, and started just, I, th- I think, came down with my coffee and brought some of the materials down. And uh, just you and me sort of ran into them. They were at our booth uh, picking up some of our uh, our foam microphones, which have been one of the hits of the yes. people. Oh, you're the foam microphone people. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, they were just checking out our foam microphones and our stuff and, and opened up to us. And by God's grace, we, we got a, a great interview out of it and, and hopefully something that will 
uh, speak to a lot of people. It was funny. Uh, they were initially talking to us about another project she's working on. And then yeah. I said, so what else you done? And then she told me this shame off you deal and told me the story. I thought, oh, okay, that's what we're going to interview about. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. There have been actually a couple of those now. Uh, there's, there's a lady we may have on at another point that she came up and was talking about, oh, I've written this book. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that's okay. And then she starts talking about uh, something totally different. And I thought, whoa, that would be a great interview. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's one of those things, uh, kind of like we talked about last night in the Daily Dose. Uh, God is providing for us in, in uh, unexpected ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's cool to see how, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, God's providing because we got a donation that allowed us to do that. Sometimes God provides for you in opportunities. And, yeah, and in, for and sure. And in chances to talk to people. And, and to get his word out that way. So that's awesome. Very cool. Hey, enjoy the interview with the passes. And thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We are at the National Religious Broadcasters 2022 convention in Nashville. That's what you hear all this background noise about. It's not like our typical studio where it's a little bit quiet quieter. Uh, today we've got Denise Pass and her husband Clay. Thanks for coming on guys. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Glad to be here. Say. So uh, here's how this goes. I had no idea what to expect. This is our first year as exhibitors at the NRB and we're going to have a booth and we're going to record some podcast conversations. We have many of them did six I think yesterday and they're up, you can go back and listen to them. I had no idea how many requests for interviews I was gonna get ahead of time. I mean, I have hordes of emails in my inbox that I haven't even opened yet from like a week ago because it was just inundated with people who want a chance to tell their story or promote their book or this or that. And as I was just telling a guy over here who I'm also gonna interview, former porn star, by the way, who came to Christ, so stay tuned for that interview later this afternoon. A decent number of the requests we get, I can just tell our audience just isn't going to click with. And so you just kind of nicely turn them down or ignore them. And I'm new to this, so I'm trying to figure it out. You guys just walked up to the table. I met you. I heard a little bit of your story. And I I said, man, this is a story that is going to resonate with our audience. And so I thank you for being here and taking your time to do this. How much time do you have, by the way? Thank we're at, you. We're at 1140 right now. You said you got to yeah, be done. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is a story of uh, sexual abuse or sexual sin, yes, sexual how it affected you. Your former husband uh, was part of this, affected your kids. And really where we land or where we want to land today is on the issue of shame. You, you wrote a book here by Denise Pass called Shame Off You from hiding to healing. So that's yes. where we want to end up. Yes. Um, Amen. I want to start by having you tell the story that led you down this path. But before we do that, I mean, anything you want to say after listening to my opening salvo? <laughs> well, you know, I think that people don't realize that we live our lives in front of an audience. We live in the fear of man, and that evokes shame. Uh, the, the core scripture behind the book is out of Psalms 11, verse 2, um, I'm sorry, Proverbs 11, verse 2, and with pride comes shame, you know, but with wisdom 
You know, we, we don't have to walk in shame, but so often what happens is we're too worried about what other people think about us. Yeah. And living in front of an audience, that's what evokes shame instead of an audience of one. Living in front of the one who's already given us his full identity. We don't have to walk in the false labels that people put on us or we put on ourselves. It's interesting because I'm, I'm a basketball coach, yeah. uh, high school boys mm-hmm. at a Christian school. And last year, our theme was audience of one. Yes. And it's not even a shame-based angle that we were coming from, but trying to train these young men to be men of God. Mm. And one of the things that took me a lot longer than high school to learn was that uh, I'm here to please the Lord, not man. Amen. And when you're freed from that, it's a huge, huge freedom. Mm -hmm. I was freed from that by losing two legislative elections Mm -hmm. in Iowa, close elections that I put my heart and soul into. And the Lord used those two narrow losses to really, and and they're high-ish profile races because of the political realities in Iowa. And he used me losing those to just beat my pride down and to uh, allow me to be kind of humiliated publicly mm-hmm. and then realize that the basis of my humiliation was stupid yes. and I need to get over it and I need to realize who I'm here to serve and who I'm here to... Amen. And, and so even though you're coming at that from a different angle yes. with this book and with your story, this is a huge thing for Christians. Yes. Uh, to have an audience of one mm-hmm. and to play for the Lord, not for man. God positions us, and it's for His glory, not ours. Amen. So can we be okay when He says, I don't want you in that position? Yeah. That's not my will for you. Amen. And so uh, that's the thing with shame is it is too much about us. Yeah. And it's not about us. It's about Him. We're made in His image. It's to bring Him glory. And I think at the crux of what I walked through with shame, I remember being in the courtroom. So I'm advancing. We'll go back to the beginning yeah, of the story. But I remember standing in the courtroom thinking, why, God, why am I going through this? And then I thought about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, who Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Yeah. You know, but scorning its shame. And the NLT translation says disregarding the shame. And I I thought about that. I thought, I can disregard the shame. Yeah. I don't have to let it define me. And then uh, God just put in my heart, you are on mission. This is a mission for me. See, we think of hard places as, why did this happen to me and people get mad at God? Yeah. No, right here where I'm at, God wants to use me. Yeah. And if I just get over myself. (laughs) Uh, One of the first interviews I did while I was down here was with a singer-songwriter, country singer-songwriter, Casey Bethard. written a bunch of songs for Kenny Chesney and Eric Church and a bunch of popular country artists. Yes. And uh, his son was tragically and kind of freakishly murdered in downtown Nashville in 2019. And part of his testimony or part of the thing that we covered was how the Lord used that horrific situation to do amazing, amazing things for Mm -hmm. the kingdom. And to hear somebody like you, after what I know a little bit, and we're going to learn more about what you've been through, say that. And to hear somebody like Casey say, hey, I wouldn't have chose this for myself. But, But once this was put in our life, all we want is to glorify the Lord through it. But you know what humbles me about that? Christ chose it. He chose the route of shame 
for us. He but, knew what was coming. But we wouldn't choose it. That's a great insight. And so for me, I realized, I'm sorry, God. Yeah. Okay, if I'm supposed to walk through this, may I walk through in a way that brings you glory? I want you to be glorified. I don't know how you can with this mess, but how I walk through it, if yeah. I do it in a way that can help other people. Amen. So Let's dive into it. All righty. You got anything for us, Clay, or you just... <laughs> We'll, we'll chi- you can chime in when it's time. Sure. A little later. <laughs> okay. okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. So a little backstory here. You know, I was that person who I got saved at age 19 and I said, uh, I want to serve you, God. I love you. And I'm going to wait for marriage. Where did you grow up? I, well, all over the United States. So okay. we're not going to go there. <laughs> so I was living in Maryland at the time. Yeah. Uh, my radio alarm clock was changed three mornings in a row. I was listening to classic rock and it was changed to a Christian station. I was like, ugh, I'm not listening to that. Second morning, ugh, I'm not listening to that. Third morning, I'm going to listen to that. Gave my life to Christ. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to stop dating. I'm getting rid of all my secular music, like radical salvation. And and then, you know, I was like, I'm waiting for marriage. I'm not going to have sex for marriage. I'm trusting the Lord with that. Marry a Christian man. And so I'm thinking... I'm the Jesus girl now. My life's going to be perfect. (laughs) And I have five kids and I homeschooled for 23 years. And, but in the midst of that, uh, and where this book comes from is shock and horror after 14 years of marriage and discovering that my now ex-husband, uh, was a sexual predator and that he had actually, uh, sexually abused two of my children. Um, how God revealed that real quick story for that. I write music, so I have music on radio and things like that in my former life. And I woke up in the middle of the night to write a song, and I was just weeping. And I've never had that experience. And it was like I was writing a prophetic song for what I was about to go through. Wow. And I I thought, I don't know who this is for, but Lord, I'm going to pray for this person. I would often just pray. And anyway, the next morning when I woke up, um, the Lord, as I opened my eyes, said, ask your husband. Say, God says you have something to tell me. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. There was no hint of it. There was no uh, anything. And he said, I'm not going to tell you now. So like, you're like, wow, there is something. What the heck? Yeah, what is this about? Did, did you wonder if there actually was something? Well, when God speaks to you, yeah, you know, and, and it's not like it happens every day like that, but you knew, if, I knew it was the voice of God. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but in your heart or in yes. your mind. Yeah. And so then I'm thinking, uh, okay, I knew that he had struggled with porn. I knew that there were different things and I was constantly like, oh, I never thought this would be what it's like, you know, in marriage. But, uh, so then I went back to him again and said, look, God says you have something to tell me. What have you done? What's, what's going on? He, he was evasive the whole day. And later that day we went to a new small group and, well, actually I was driving to a nursing home with my children. We were going to minister there. And the Holy Spirit whispers to me again, ask your daughter how she slept last night. Wow. And at that moment, if you ever have those moments where you feel like someone punched you, like, it's surreal. Like, you're not really there. Was the punch from that coming to your mind and knowing where this was going to lead? Or yes. the punch from asking her and hearing her answer? Oh, just the question, what? And realizing where this was leading. Wow. And so I said, hey, how did you sleep last night? And she said, not so good. Daddy came into my room for a couple hours hugging me. And I'm like, Ugh. 
What the heck is that While she was writing the song, so... Right. Right in the act of worship, this was going on upstairs. You were up in the middle of the night writing, and this was going on in your daughter's bedroom. Yes. Right. So that's the tragedy of it all. And that was a struggling point for me. Hang on right there. Yeah. It is a tragedy, but it's also like... What are the odds of that? Oh, like, I know. So, I mean, the Lord's doing something, right? Yes. In the middle of your writing worship while your daughter's being abused. Yes. Right. What, what do you make of that? Uh, it's a song called Draw Me Near. I, I did finish the song. I didn't want to finish the song because it describes someone whose life is completely broken and upended. Uh, nothing they asked for, nothing that they did. Yeah. And I, I think it was hard for me to, like, I wrote another song called Layers, and it came from a place of why why would God allow this in? Like, while I'm worshiping Him, you know? But yeah, I think that yeah. is our tendency to blame God, and yet I know that God gave me that song. Or, or to think in really rigid categories, like something terrible can't be going on when, I, when the Lord is being praised. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no categories. Right. No, it, it's mind-blowing, completely broken. And so, you know, then the, uh, we went to a small group that night and I said, okay, God's revealing it to me. So did your daughter tell you what happened? Like in detail? Not, not at that point, you know, and it, it's very delicate matter. Yeah, yeah. And, and how old was she at that time? She was 13. Okay. And so at the small group, you know, I'm saying, hey, God is revealing this to me. You need to tell me what you did because we're not coming home tonight. In front of the people in the small group. They had left the room. So I told them, you, you tell me what's going on. We're not coming home. Because I knew something was, what in the world, you know. Did you tell them you talked to your daughter? Uh, no, at that point I didn't. But I said, God is revealing it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you now. And I'm like, well, we're not coming home. You know, and so I went to a friend's house that night. And so it just was this awful peeling onion. This can't be my life. This wasn't my story. I, I'm the Jesus girl. I right. homeschool. I saved myself for marriage, you know. Yeah. Um, and now there's this incredible shame. Yeah. How could I not have known this? How could this happen? I was there. You know, I never saw anything like this. And, yeah. And I think by God's mercy, this wasn't something that was a part of the daily life. This was something that he was just starting to move into a new territory with, you know. So was that the first time he'd done anything like that? No, unfortunately. Um, when I had lived in another state, he had started to do things then and confessed it to someone and repented to them, and they kept it from me. Uh, and then he was like, I won't ever know. That isn't... And, and it had to do with your daughters or with someone else? And other people. But it was so... so he rationalized it that, hey, they don't know what's happening. So it's something so subtle. It's like a yeah, grooming d- process. Des- describe that. We were talking about that offline. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, when you said they don't know what's happening to them, I assumed he was like videoing them or something no, without no, no. them knowing. No, he, it's, it's, he described it as a wrestling to the judge. I mean, this all came out over the course of a couple of years of investigation, but he would uh, characterize his behavior as wrestling. And then in the course of you know, wrestling around, physically touching, he would come yeah. to a climax, you know, and, yeah. and that was a, you know, a way of release and, and yeah. uh, you know, for him, but it, it was just kind of a, a building yeah. process. So he's obviously got kind of some sickness or some kind of sexual issue. Right. But whatever. We're not sex therapists here, so we're not no, going to die. Thank God. That. <laughs> uh, right. 
But that, that's helpful, though, to, for our audience to understand, okay, what, what do you mean they didn't really know? They thought they were just wrestling around. But, but you then, know, but when they got older, yeah, they exactly. can look back and say, that was weird. Totally. Yeah. Now, now, let me just come from the other side of weirdness. I have one of my daughters. She's 14, Jillian. Yeah hates physical contact. I mean, she's just cold as ice. <laughs> and I, I'm saying to my wife, like, she's going to get married someday. Yeah. And she needs to be a little softer. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yes. And so uh, oftentimes I'll grab Jillian and force her to give me a hug, you know, yeah. like we're standing in the kitchen or something like yeah. that. Dad, get away from me. Stop touching me. <laughs> so you're not talking about that. No. You're, you're talking about something that's sexually sick Sexual and pleasure demented. And, that he got yeah. from that contact. Yeah. And, you know, it was moving and shifting to more intentional that very night, getting into her bed yeah. and touching. And so that's the difference. And um, by God's mercy, he revealed it. I mean, what are the, you know, me waking up and God just speaking that to my heart. Now here, I get myself in trouble sometimes for asking the question that like I maybe shouldn't ask. Okay. I'm going to ask a question. All right. And you don't have to answer this. I may or may not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, in your own, I mean, I imagine my wife and me, um, if this was going on, like, were there things by the way that you were with your husband, you could tell, like, something's messed up here, like this, or, or because you were in a monogamous marriage with one sexual partner, you just were oblivious to this because you had nothing to compare it to, or I think the only do you know thing, what I'm asking? Yeah, I think the main thing is um, nothing that would have been noticeable, yeah. uh, other than the fact that, I mean, he struggle with pornography yeah and that's like having a third person in the bedroom and that yeah. does impact intimacy for sure and you know i was I'm the dutiful wife and but it, you just realize it's not what you thought it was supposed to look like right I, yeah. I would add too that uh probably several months before this revelation that they were going through the adoption process for the the youngest son from russia and so it, it had you may describe that a little bit better but it had come out during the interview process for the adoption that her former husband had been sexually abused in his childhood and so there was the, that first it wasn't nugget. her former husband at the time it was your right. current husband at right. the time yes. right but he had been okay so he, he had had that in his past and you and, didn't know that before no in fact i had asked him if he ever had been sexually abused when we were dating and he said no what made you ask that because I had been sexually abused as a child. Okay. And I was like, I want to do everything to protect my children. Yes. That's what made this particularly painful. Did you cover that? And you thought yeah. it was is covered. And there was a whole whole deception behind all of that. And wow. so that's what was hard was you discover someone's been lying to you your whole wow. marriage and there's other things and and so you know, you feel foolish. You feel like how in the world can I not see that? But you know, you ask the questions and you're told absolutely not. And you see someone who's serving in church and yeah. everyone gives the green light. And um, But, you know, I think ultimately we have to realize we're all capable yes. of sin. And I'm so glad you said that. I don't, I have forgiven him because, you know, we're not called, I'm not called to be his judge. Yeah. But um, the immense amount of pain is still something my children work through yeah. to this day. God is healed. God is redeemed. But the fact is, it's not something, sexual abuse is not something people just click, get over with, you know? So, um, I, I feel like today there's a lot more freedom or opportunity to speak openly about it mm -hmm. versus like, I mean, gosh, I was born in 1975. I mean, until 
maybe I was in college. I didn't even know, you know, like stuff like what you just described. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you would assume that it happened, but it's like you never knew anybody who had had something. Right. But, but now it's a little more okay to talk about, which is probably a good thing, right? Yes. Bring it out into the open. Yeah, I think there's a way to talk about it in a redeeming way. And I think churches have got to learn how to be able to talk about it, how to be able to counsel about it, because we all don't want divorce, right? right. We all want to be faithful to one spouse. Divorce wasn't even a word we used. Yeah. But you can be shamed within the church. You can um, be ostracized because you have the D word. You, yeah. you got divorced. You're supposed to always reconcile. But, you know, biblically... I don't believe that's the case. When you look at Matthew 5 and you see that there is no divorce except for porneia, that word there means any and all sexual immorality, it's not like you want to run out of a marriage, but when you realize it's not safe for your children, God makes a way. We were talking about this before we started recording, just the divorce aspect. Um, We were talking about how it seems like even in Christian circles, people are inventing quote-unquote legitimate reasons to make divorce okay. And, and there's a lot of debate about what constitutes uh, biblical grounds for divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only, the only thing that I think is very clear in Scripture is what you just said. Right. Pornea, right. sexual immorality. Yep. And you had mentioned that there were people back then in your life who were saying, well, you have to reconcile because he didn't commit adultery. Right. And, and, and so your husband, first of all, you, he never did commit adultery. You would, he tried. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but the word pornea doesn't just mean adultery. It doesn't just no. mean my right. husband cheating on me with another woman. Right. It means sexual immorality, which what was going on with your daughters. Yes. Right. Certainly yes. qualified as that and obviously endangered your daughters. So, so your story the only reason I land on that is it raises an interesting discussion about yes. biblical grounds for divorce. Yes, I would right? say abuse as well, though, too. I mean, think about the heart of God. Yeah. You know, uh, he wouldn't have a woman who's being beaten or harmed in that way yeah. to remain there. You know, and, and ultimately, there has to be true repentance. If someone has done something to harm another person, a lot of times people just like, hey, okay, I'm sorry, let's move on. That's not true repentance you one, know one thing i've talked about with people who have gone through divorce or who are going through divorce or whatever is just because there's an exception to divorce and by the way this is probably something you heard from the church mm-hmm. j- just because there's biblical grounds for divorce right. doesn't mean you always have to go through with divorce right. so he cheated, he cheated on me so i'm obligated to divorce i think exactly. I think, I think the posture of the church and of christians should always be if possible, right. you got to reconcile. Amen. Definitely. But it's not yes. reconciliation at all costs because Jesus gave an exception. I remember my second daughter um, telling me, Mom, please don't bring him home. Wow. She said, if you do, I'm going to make a chain out of paper clips. I'm going to lock my door hmm. and hide underneath the bed. Wow. I had no idea that she had been impacted by it as well. And so... There was this, and, and, and why do I go out sharing this message? Yeah, yeah. I was traveling, uh, speaking, but I would never mention what it was. And my you like talking code? Yes. <laughs> and my daughter said to me, Mom, it's okay. Please share the story. You need to help people. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how yes. have your daughters who are caught in the middle of this, the victims of it, and it's their dad, and you're the mom, and you're out here, 
Like how, yeah. how have they responded to you doing what you're doing and how did they respond yeah. when it all came out? And you said you were in court. Uh, and so there's yeah, a bunch years. of publicity around it mm-hmm. and a bunch of stigmatization around it with yeah i wanted the happy condemnation message. you yeah. know because yeah. uh a lot of parents didn't understand that they thought that she would have been aware of that so there's a stigma of being a bad parent when something like abuse happens in your own home under your own roof right like you weren't paying attention you you let this happen right. on your watch. how did this happen but you know i think the neat thing so this wasn't this wouldn't have been the platform I would have chosen, right? Yeah. I, I like to talk about joy. I like to talk about the comfort Christ gives us. But when your own children say, go, Mom, do yeah. this, because it hurt them too. They had shame. It meant shame. How did this happen in our family, you know? Um, but it's communicating in a way that I hope is redemptive. Like, I'm not vindictive in this. It's not about, in fact, my ex-husband told me it was a really good book. Wow. Yeah, that shocked me because I thought I'm going to be sued. But uh, <laughs> but my goal wasn't to expose. It really isn't. It's to show that our God is a redeemer, and I want to help people to know how to process shame like this. And so it's it's learning that we first have that condemnation. You know, Romans 8.1 says there's therefore now no condemnation. Amen. And yet... We all walk around condemned. We condemn ourselves. We condemn others. And so there's this cycle of shame I talk about in the book. And it's this condemnation leading to comparison and, and then crisis. I don't know how to handle this, you know. And we just stay in that shame. Or we can have the cycle of redemption yeah. where we reflect on what's going on and we, we, we meditate on God's word and we don't go down the route of shame. We yeah. go down the route of God forgives, God heals. Yeah. And so I, I try to equip people with ways to deal with their shame. And, and in everyday life, like I was the shy person. Why was I shy? Behind that is shame. Like I'm not enough and people won't like me and whatever. That's, that's shame. Yeah. And uh, shunning, people shunning people. Even in the church, don't shun people. You know, that's shaming too. Yeah. And, and so we are in a culture of shame. Yeah. And I want to restore a culture of honor that we're supposed to have in Christ. Yeah. So the first chapter of this book, you kind of tell the story uh, that you basically outlined for us up to this point. Mm -hmm. And then where do you go with it? Just kind of the things you were just talking about? Right. So I have like, it goes through shame is born. It's chapter one. And I talk about condemnation, what condemnation really is. There's conviction that the Holy Spirit gives us that we do need to respond to. Yeah. You know, I think there's a shame that we pop. A lot of people say, oh, there's no shame. Well, there is a shame if you've done wrong. But it can bring you to Christ to repentance. I was going to ask you about that. I, yeah. So I told you I'm a basketball coach. Yes. And um, I, I'm not, it's at a Christian school, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a godly man. Yes. And, and really, we're trying to use the tool of basketball to train up men. Yeah, I, that's I mean, awesome. I, I love basketball. I like to win. But at the end of the day, my goal is a kingdom goal, right? Amen. And um, however, kids today, now I'm going on a rabbit trail, so yes. just to warn you, but we'll, we'll come back to this. Um, kids today are being coddled like nobody's business. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, a and, trophy for everybody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and there are very few avenues anymore where a, a boy or a young man can experience, um, I would say, public humiliation. I mean, that's mm-hmm. athletics. Yeah. You're, you're out in the middle of a basketball floor. And you dribble the ball off your foot with 10 seconds left, 
and you're down one and you lose the game in front of a crowd of fans. Yes. And it's humiliating. That's the point, in front of an audience. And, and, and the thing is, is I don't want that to happen. We coach our kids not to dribble it off their feet, stuff like that. <laughs> but, but there's a huge value in that because you're learning through something that doesn't really matter. Right. High school basketball. Right. You're learning to fail publicly, to be humiliated, and to be okay with it. So that your mm-hmm. fear of failure, your fear of public humiliation or whatever, doesn't paralyze you in real life right. when the stakes are way higher right. from stepping up. Because right now we've got so many men that are unwilling because they're afraid of shame or they're afraid of failure. They're unwilling to stand up for truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so even in a small way with basketball, we're trying to chip away at, at that. Now, what I'm getting to with this is I don't remember where it was. I, actually, I just remembered where it was, but I won't say it. Um, I, I recently heard somebody basically make the statement that shame is always wrong. And, and the way they talked about it, it had nothing to do with basketball or sports, but the way that they talked about it made me think that they might have a problem with the way that I coached my team. Because we have high expectations, we demand them to do what they're supposed to do, and if they don't do it well, there are consequences. Now, we're not out there with a right. bull whip, you know, beating kids or... Well, one of the core <laughs> concepts I talk about is hiding shame doesn't heal it. And so we have to be willing to examine the shame. See, yeah. a lot of people just hide from it. They want to dodge it, you know, hot, hot potato. But if we're willing to examine shame, we can extinguish it. If we can say, okay, is there any truth? And so I have this whole biblical lens of truth, humility, and grace. Is there any truth in that shame that I need to acknowledge? Yeah. And, and repent and be dealt, dealt with, you know? Yeah. Uh, and humility, recognizing even if it isn't true, it could be apart from the grace of God. And then with God's grace being willing to look at the shame and say, Lord, help me to rise above this. So there is legitimate shame and there's illegitimate shame. Yeah. You know, the guilt, false guilt. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's some value we can gain. Shame, shame isn't always uh, manifested in a negative thing. Shame can right. have a positive outcome. Yes. If when you evaluate it, you come up to. Yes. It, okay, great. So go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, from shame is born to shame's condemnation, we look at the roots of shame. Like, what is behind it? And often, like I was sharing earlier um, in that verse in Proverbs 11, too, pride is often behind it. Fear of man is often behind it. You know, um, we feel our mindsets. We have different mindsets, negative mindsets that pull us away. And so trying to understand the roots helps us know what route we need to take to get healed. Do you want to say something? Okay. <laughs> and then um, we have the cycles of shame and how far shame reaches, the faces and places of shame. Uh, I talk about when I was at University of Maryland, for instance, there was one time I'd been sick with mono for like a whole month, missed college. And I'm driving to University of Maryland wearing white pants, eating a chocolate chip cookie, and my horn on my car is sticking and honking. And I'm like <laughs> so embarrassed. And this police officer pulls me over on Good Luck Road. Always got tickets on that road. <laughs> it's not good luck. And I, I get to there to take the class, and there's chocolate on my bottom. And I'm like, 
oh, this is embarrassing, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what we're, it's embarrassing. So I tie a jacket around thinking, yeah. this is what everyone does when you know, everyone knows, oh, she did something there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, they're probably thinking worse than chocolate chips on your yeah, butt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And, so here's where it gets really embarrassing, the next part. Go ahead. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm already embarrassed, tied a jacket around. I'm going to Taz Fine Arts Building at University of Maryland, and, and I, I go into the bathroom to try to clean off my pants. And I take off my pants, try to clean off, and I just have a long shirt. And this person walks in the bathroom. <laughs> what are you doing? And I was like, well, I got, like, a chocolate stain, you know. And, and she's like, oh, I can get you an outfit from the drama department. Okay. So I'm, like, waiting in the bathroom stall. So she takes the white pants with her and leaves her without <laughs> pants in the bathroom while she's waiting. Uh, there's a little naivety involved here, especially knowing college pranks, right? So the person, <laughs> the person was thinking on their feet pretty well, though. That's right, good, That's good right. stuff. She was gone for a while, but she did come back with a Spanish outfit. <laughs> and, you know, I just learned a lesson. It's like, you know, what led to all this? You being concerned about chocolate chip on your pants. Exactly. Yeah, don't don't yeah. lose your pants in the process of worrying about a chocolate stain. <laughs> Don't care too much about what other people think of you. They are not That's the ones who give you your identity. I love that. Yeah, so I do tell myself there's laughter in it, too. And there's, like I said, um, if you've been through sexual abuse, you know, I do talk about how to heal from that as well. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to stay in that. Yeah, I yeah. think what makes me sad is a lot of people even take their life yeah. because of shame. Yeah. Shame is a powerful tool of the enemy. The guy I'm going to interview here this afternoon, the, the ex-porn star, yeah. he was just giving me his testimony briefly over here, and he said when he came out of that, I, I mean, he was in such a cycle of depression, he was about ready to kill himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he could never fill this void, and he had everything. He made a bunch of money, but it just is just shame. Yes. Driving him to suicide. That happens all the time. It really does. And, you know, it doesn't need to be that way if we process it biblically. Uh, Not just give lip service to that. Yeah. You know, there, shame is all over Scripture. There's so much in there that we can see, but we don't have to stay there. So yeah. Shame off you. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, where can people find this book? So they can find it at all major retailers. In fact, it's going to be uh, published in the French language cool. next year, which is super exciting. Um, because my maiden name was Dubois, mm-hmm. so I love that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I would say that, you know, God is the God of redemption. Yes. And so the story closes a little bit with how we met. And uh, you had mentioned that, you know, Denise and I are, are not in any ways advocates of divorce. I think that yeah. divorce, is, you mentioned, is a very high standard. Yeah. And the situation in this case was just uh, pervasive. But God was merciful in how he revealed it, but he was also merciful in in how he brought us together. And so there's redemption in the story. And, uh, you know, I had been in a a former relationship when my ex-wife was removed from the home for physical abuse of children. And so through that, I was able to recognize the the peril that she was in and come alongside and and, uh, help her through that. And so... You I know, call him my beau for Boaz, kinsman, redeemer. Amen. So I've <laughs> That's felt, so cool. Right, but there, there's a huge degree of shame that I felt too, and that, that was a story that, you know, I hid and kept to myself, and yet God used that to, you know, redeem this situation, and uh, we've been 
happily married now for 12, 12 years. years. Yeah. So it's a, it's what just a great awesome, awesome conclusion story. to the story. Now, just quick, you're doing another. You got another book too. Yes. That's uh, what we originally started talking about. Yeah, make up your mind is coming out next month. Thank you so much. And uh, I talk about how we have this narrative in our mind. We've learned to think very much in a worldly way. And today's upcoming generation, again, they're living their lives in front of an audience, but we have these negative mindsets, depressive, anxiety, all these negative mindsets. And so I discuss how to think like Christ. We're to have the mind of Christ. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, that we Amen. have that. Amen. But we're not operating in that. And the reason why is we're putting our thoughts above God's. And the Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than ours. And so we often get trapped in this thinking and we just believe the lies that Oh, I'm always going to be anxious. It's just my personality, whatever. But so I guide people through the triggers that lead to the mindsets, how to get out of the mindsets. What is the mind of Christ in that mindset? And so it's a, it's a wonderful way for people to realize who are stuck in depression or stuck in anxiety or loneliness, all these different things to learn to have the mind of Christ. Remind me where you're based out of. Uh, out of Virginia, Fredericksburg. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. And you, you go around and do like some women's retreats and yes. seminars and what, what other kind of stuff? Yeah, speaking, uh, worship leading. I have two podcasts. One is called The Bible Tribe, and it's a daily Bible uh, podcast where I have one Greek or Hebrew word featured today, two minutes out of the Bible reading plan, just to help people get deeper into their word, because that's what will transform us. Cool. God's words. And that's at uh, denisepass.com. Yes. It's her website, so that's you can great. find all the material there. I just thought of a question I want to come back to on your Shame Off You book. Yes. Um, what other ways have you seen this message be helpful for people who are facing shame? I mean, not just shame related to divorce or shame related to sexual predator issues. I mean, obviously, it's, it's applicable yes. very broadly, and we've kind of touched on that a little bit. Any stories or any people who, who you would think maybe wouldn't be impacted? by your story? Well, you know, I had, this is really precious. My son, one of my, my youngest son, had a bunch of friends over and they found out about my book, Shame Off You. And I was like, sure, I'll give you a copy. I said, don't read it right now because chapter one might make you cry. Of course, what do they do? They open it up, start reading it. They all start crying. Wow. These girls start crying because they identified with it. And so this is the next generation coming up and she just... I saw her the next time. She said, can I give you a hug? I said, sure. She said, you've helped me so much. Wow. And, and you know, it's just being able to identify, because shame isolates. People don't realize, like, they think they're the only one. I'm the only one who's going like this. Everyone else is normal. Everyone experiences shame. It's universal. And so that was really neat. At first, my, I felt bad for my son because all his friends were crying. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but I really saw it. And then last night, I just spoke to someone on my son here in Nashville who leads worship. I was at his worship practice. And this woman said, I just want to thank you for writing the book. You know, she has, uh, unfortunately, is going through divorce and just felt so shamed for going through that. You know, and so I don't know if that's what examples yeah, you're looking yeah, for. for sure, for sure. But I definitely have a lot of testimonies of people who are just recognizing they don't have to be defined by shame anymore. Man. I thought of another question. Yeah. Sorry, this is just Yeah, how, that's how, okay. How yeah, hey. Um, one of the things we talk about in our family is generational cycles of yeah. sin. And so you've got your former husband who is abused sexually. Yes. You've got him abusing the next generation sexually. Yes. What have your thoughts been about 
cutting that off. I mean, oh, yeah. because the thing is, is my, my wife and I, um, I'm not going to say anything specific, but there are a couple areas where we just know that we're going to be cutting off a cycle. Yeah. You know what I mean? So obviously you're aware of that and, and you're probably being intentional to try to do oh, yeah. that as well. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I remember my firstborn looking at her and thinking, I'm going to protect you. Yeah. You're going to be safe. You're never going to have to walk through or want through it. How desperately yeah. I thought, I'm married a Christian man. I'm a Christian. This is not going to be happening to you. But I really, safety wasn't my savior. I can't. God is the one Amen. who's really, he's our savior. But I think for me, like my oldest son said, he just, he does not want to walk in that path. You know what I mean? And all of them, like, he's never viewed porn. Yeah, wow. You know, okay. and he's like waiting for marriage. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to see, they see the damage that's done. They don't want any part of that. Yes. But I think that there has to be an intentionality of realizing in our own strength and power, no, we have to surrender our lives to Christ. So all my kids know Jesus, which is awesome and the yeah. biggest desire I had for them. Amen. But um, I do think sometimes we've prayed about things like that too, breaking the cycle because we don't right. realize that we can start to have some things that we've brought up from our past. Yeah, recently uh, you've probably heard of the concept of soul ties. Yes. And so, I have not. Uh, that's when, you know, there's a an intimate relationship or intimate, you know, uh, occurrence in the past and you form that emotional bond yeah, okay, even with, with the perpetrator. And so you need to speak intentionally and pray intentionally that that soul tie be broken. Yes. And that your, your mind be cleared of that, you know, past trauma. And so wow. I, I would, you know, encourage you to pray specifically for that, yeah. uh, breaking soul ties that your mind would be set free, would be clean once again, you know, by the blood of Christ. That's where my mind went, but before you fully defined what you were talking about, is I think there could be soul ties in a situation that wasn't, there's not a perpetrator. It's just, a, I was in a relationship in high school yes. right. that I shouldn't have been in, and exactly. nobody, nobody did anything. Repent and cover it and, and pray for a and breaking the, the of that. The Bible talks about that, that, you know, the premarital relationships cause that type of bond, yeah. and, and it's a form of slavery. Yeah. Even uh, pornography, you know, it's the same thing. It's a virtual relationship, but yeah. you form a soul tie, you know, and uh, that interferes with your ability to have a functional marriage and yeah. you know, Plus some when, point in the future. Plus, when sin's in the home like that, like one of my daughters had told me, Mom, it affected how we could think because he opened the door to that in our home. Yeah. And so there was a need to process that Yeah. and say, no more. You know, that yeah. is not for me in my house. Um, but he brought that in. And all my kids have that burden that they had to deal with. Another thing I just thought of, I got another guy coming here in a few minutes, but um, we homeschool our kids. Yes. I, I should say my wife homeschools yes. our kids. I mean, <laughs> I'm the principal and yeah, the field trip go. coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> right. We go to football games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I can imagine, you know, thinking about the, the homeschool community that we're in. Um, 
and and thinking that your homeschool community may have been similar. This had to have just been oh, yeah. like a shockwave, like, whoa, what happened to Denise? What happened to Denise's family? Like, you guys would have been the... And I was the leader of the it. The stigmatized. Yeah. Right. She's the director of the homeschool. I started it and led this co-op for 12 years. And so, again, this isn't shame. my story. This isn't... This wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, yeah. Immense shame. And, yeah. and, and God takes, though... What was meant for evil and uses it for good and so satan hates that but you know i could have been quiet about it i'm just you know but god was like no i'm going to heal you and then you're going to be a messenger to help heal others and so it's embarrassing right it's not what i mean but then it isn't yeah once you get over that i'll I'll just tell one more story one one point one of my daughters said to me mom you're iy day your what? IY Day. It's a Chinese word. It was given to Gladys Aylward. She was a missionary, and it means virtuous one. And I was in, in a corner crying, weeping. And she said, Mom, it's okay. And when she said that to me, it hit me because Gladys Aylward was a missionary. Yeah. I was on a mission to protect my kids. Wow. And I was going to go to court again and again and go through awful, awful things. Mm. But it was a mission, and I was going to guard my children's hearts and help them to heal through this nightmare and no one would sign up for that but that is a mission so every trauma you go through every everything you go through there's a purpose in it god can redeem it he can use it for good if we're willing to not just hide from it you know awesome right I hope your kids listen to this, and when they do, I just want to say you've got a great mom, Aww, and uh, praise praise the Lord. Keep on keeping on. And and, great stepdad. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for stopping by. I Thank feel like you. this was ordained by the Lord. Yes, me too. Definitely. What I really appreciate, just a, a, the theme of what was woven through this, is just uh, you have a big view of God. Mm-hmm. You you're completely committed to His Word mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and to the truths of the gospel. And uh, that's really the core of what makes something terrible like this yes. uh, into something that can be such exactly. a blessing. And no one's beyond redemption. Amen. So we keep that at the heart of the message. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Yeah, bye-bye. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. 
See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.